you thought you were just going to sit there and watch. But let's, I want us to sing to worship again. This is my desire to honor you. So Phil's going to play. So please, it's not just a warm up for the preach. If you worship well, we might not get to the preach. No, not really. But, um, let's just rise and sing this with our full hearts. I'm sorry we haven't got the words, but I think you probably know it. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. style we know we can't do that by ourselves we need your Holy Spirit filling us up empowering us we thank you that as we come to you you promise that you give the Spirit without measure thank you may we be people who come and take of the Spirit without measure without the measure of our own minds our own understanding our own willingness Lord, take the measures off our life. Or may I say, may the measure be fullness. 
May the measure be fullness of the Spirit in our lives. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hopefully that sets a scene for um, a little bit of what I want to say. I like to look, and I feel I've said this before, but I don't think recently, and I've been wrestling with that a little bit, but June was praying in the prayer meeting that we need to hear things old and new, and that things we've heard before, may we hear them again and with greater revelation. So I took that, yeah. I pray that if you've heard me talk about this before, that you'll get greater revelation, more fullness as you, as you listen and take on board what I'm saying. So I want to look at Samuel, the prophet Samuel. It's in 1 Samuel, and I'm going to read some verses and not read other verses. But you'll remember the story, perhaps. If you don't know it, it's good to go back and read it, about a man who had two wives, one who had children, one who didn't. The one that didn't was called Hannah. And she longed for her children, longed for a son. And her husband, I've said this before, but her husband thought he was, you know, helping her. Aren't I worth more than ten sons to you, he said. Uh, I don't think so. It wasn't the case. That was a bit, a bit of... But anyway, she, uh, the story goes, she prayed, or the, or the facts go that she prayed, and uh, God heard her pray. And she prayed, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you to be a Nazarite, one consecrated, uh, one holy to you. And so the child is born much rejoicing and she weans him for three or four years and then takes him back to the temple um, to serve at the temple the most holy place in the country the place to be if you want to know God you would have thought would you not anyway it wasn't quite like that as we'll see in a moment but a couple of things I want to say first and foremost and this is not what I'm preaching on but this is what I want to say we sometimes hear these stories about these children that are really desired by the mothers, you know, that the mother's barren, she really desires, and she, she really desires this child, and we think, wouldn't it be nice to be desired like that? And I wonder how many of us feel that way. How many of us feel that we were desired? Can I tell you? It's all of you. All of you were desired by God. If we look in um, John 1, 12 and 13, it says, But to all those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. We were born again from God's desire. God dearly wanted me, you, to be his. Physical birth, you know, that could have been, you know, for some of us that was difficult, wasn't it? But spiritually, the thing that really counts, we were desired. And Lord, I pray, right at the start, that you give people a real sense that you desired them to be yours. That there's no accidents in the kingdom. There's no uh, mistakes because the contraception didn't work, if I can be so vulgar. Because all of us were desired by the will of God. He wanted you. He wanted me to be his. And that's good, isn't it? You need to take that on board. And then Samuel was given to God to be 
holy to be consecrated. Again, wouldn't it be nice to have been given to God to be holy and to be consecrated? Don't you think so? Well, you can be, because you have to give yourself. Like Hannah gave Samuel, we too give ourselves to be holy, to be consecrated unto him. So whatever advantages we feel Samuel might have had, we have the same. We are fully desired by God. We've given ourselves to him. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. If we're wanted, we're consecrated. So that's good, isn't it? That's good. Yeah, so let's, let's put ourselves in Samuel's shoes now. I said that being in the temple is probably the best place to be, to hear God and know God. But that wasn't the case at this time. And through um, Samuel 2 and 3, we get, some, we get uh, a dichotomy. Can I use such a big word on a Sunday morning? You know, it is, uh, we're an hour later than normal, so dichotomy it is. I don't know what it means, but I'm sure it's right. Um, verse 11. It says, Then Alkanah went home to Ramah, while the boy remained to minister to the Lord in the presence of the priest Eli. So Samuel, desired by his mother, consecrated to God, is starting to serve in the temple. Very next verse in my, and I like this in my verse. Now the sons of Eli, the priests, were scoundrels. That's a nice word, isn't it? Scoundrels. They were scoundrels. And why were they scoundrels? They had no regard for the Lord, the duties of the priests or the people. They wanted, you know, they, they took of God's offerings, the things that belonged to, to the Lord, they took. And they, they, they it tells us in verse 17, the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for they treated the offerings of the Lord with contempt. So the very people who are supposed to be helping the nation, as it were, worship, were treating God with contempt. But, verse 18, Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. And it tells us that his mother used to take him on every year. But the priests are wicked. And we see, it goes on to tell us that the priests, the sons of Eli, were sleeping with the ladies who were at the serving at the, t- the tent. They were, you know, the immorality was, was, was abounding. And Eli, the high priest, kind of slapped them on the wrist a little bit, but they took no notice. Um, And it says that God was wanting to put them to death. So it was a very black, bleak situation, wasn't it? Um, It goes on to tell us um, later on, um, I think, in in fact, it's in verse 3, verse 1, it says, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. It was a black, black place. And we can feel that, can't we? And it is a black, black place. The, the society we're in, the things that are going on, you know, I've heard it said many times, things are getting darker. And things are certainly getting darker for Samuel. But what did Samuel do? He ministered to the Lord. A little guy ministered to the Lord, despite all the wickedness, despite all his role models were, that were going on around him. I'm just going back to verse 19. Uh, oh, no, sorry. I'm telling a lie. That's a bit later on. I've got out of um, uh, verse 26. Sorry, we'll, we'll go to. It, well, it's just told us about the immorality of the priests and that God was wanting to kill them. It says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature 
and in favour with the Lord and with the people. Again, despite all the blackness and bleakness, Samuel uh, grew in favour with the Lord and with people. And in the story, at the end of chapter 2, God sends a prophet who brings a stone word and, and you know, there's, you can read that for yourself. There's, a, there's destruction on that family line, the priest, because they've dishonoured God. And then chapter 3 is where we, is the story I think most of us would know. Um, it says, 3 verse 1, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. Pretty bleak, wasn't it? It would be hard to find what God was saying. It would be hard to find the presence of God. The very place you would go to was full of corruption um, and immorality. Not good. But, the, but there's a little guy there who's ministering to the Lord and, and, and as, a, as a lifestyle. And this is what I just want to think about a little bit today because Mark talked about it the last few weeks and if you haven't heard the last few weeks of his preaches, please uh, catch up. Um, because it's very important, very vital to, to what we're doing as a church. But he talked about ministering to God, and that's what Samuel did. He ministered to the Lord. He ministered to the Lord. It tells us um, in verse uh, um, 7, he didn't even know God, but he was ministering to God. And, and we get the story where God comes to him and calls him, Samuel, Samuel, and he thinks it's a the priest calling him, so he runs and says, uh, yeah, what do you want? And the priest says, I didn't call you, go back to, to bed. And this happens three times before the priest realises, hang on, maybe, maybe God is calling this little guy. So he says to him, right, well, go back and lie down. And if it happens again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So that's what happens. Calls again and Samuel gets up, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then God gives him a stonking prophecy. I mean, if you're just, you know, setting out to, to learn how to prophesy, it's not the kind of prophecy you necessarily want, you know, death and destruction and all that kind of thing. But that's what, what he gets, and he's frightened of bringing it, so um, it, has to be, it has to be kind of wheedled out of him by the, 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 the priest. So Samuel tells him what, what's going to go on, that there's, there's destruction coming on the line of Eli. And Eli just says, well, it's the Lord, let him do what he's going to do. So it's not very... Really Repentant there, is he? But these are things um, that, that, that I've really seen. And this, this really, this is a life word on my life. And this is why I talk about it so much. This is one of the first things I preached. And this is what God, time and time again, calls me to do. To spend time in his presence. To minister to him. To, uh, to honour him. And this, this is why, in verse 19, it says, As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. Let none of his words fall to the ground. When Paul was praying that any words of mine would disappear, I was thinking I might have none left. But that was just me being silly. Anyway, and, and it says, And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Dan to Beersheba, you know, from John O'Groats to Land's End, basically, isn't it? You know, the whole land knew there was a prophet, knew that he was a trustworthy prophet. It says, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh for, that's quite a key word, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh. God was appearing there because Samuel was there. 
If Samuel hadn't been there, he wouldn't have been probably appearing. He came because of Samuel. And then eventually, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. That's amazing, isn't it? A little guy given to God, spends time ministering in an ungodly place. God calls him. And as he continues that lifestyle, it wasn't kind of like the next day at five he was this major prophet, you know, or six. It was a lifestyle of, of ministering to God that brought him to a place that the things he said, God looked over them, watched over them, made sure they wouldn't fall to the ground. That was because he was speaking God's word, wasn't it? He wasn't just thinking, what shall I say today? I'll say, okay, all elephants are going to be pink. And, and so God said, right, I better make pink elephants. No, he was hearing what God was saying and he was speaking it out and God was making sure that it didn't drop to the ground. So, so as we learn ourselves to minister to God, the same thing can happen. Do you think? Do you think we could ever be in a place where we speak the word of God and God looks over it to make sure? Do you think that could happen? Who thinks it could happen? Who thinks it could happen for them? That's a different question, isn't it? Yeah, we all think it could happen to someone like Bob, who's very spiritual, but, you know, we're not so sure. I don't know why you all laugh when I say he's very spiritual, you know. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's amazing that as we learn to carry the presence of God and we learn to minister to him, sorry, we will have the word of God. And when we speak it, none of his words will fall to the ground. And people know that we are carrying the presence of God, it will be tangible. Who wants to be like that? Who wants to be like Samuel or Smuel? I think I've been watching The Chosen and they call it Smuel, don't they, rather than Samuel? But maybe, maybe not. Who wants to live a life of worship so that they're that kind of person? It, it's up to you, really, isn't it? I can't make you do it, but it's up to you. It's about us choosing. And one of the things that struck me as I'm preparing is... First of all, it's a general thing. We have to live a life that's given to God. It's no good coming to his presence and ministering to him if our lives are right or wreck and we've been doing our own thing and doing all kinds of stuff. That's, that doesn't work. So firstly, there's a general sense. And I've got a few verses here just to kind of ground us in Scripture. Ministering to him, a life of worship. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1. Offer yourselves a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship or your spiritual ministry to go off yourself a living sacrifice off your body a living sacrifice which is your spiritual worship all my life is to be ministry to him 1 corinthians 10 31 it's talking into a different subject it says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do everything for the glory of god that's an ishmael song that we used to sing whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all for the glory of god Something like that, wasn't it? Yeah? Whether you eat or drink, and it's talking about idol worship and all that kind of stuff, I think, but you can find out later. Do everything for the glory of God. And Colossians 3.17, it says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 23, Whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord and not your master's. Whatever you does, do it unto the Lord. I was thinking about that yesterday, uh, not yesterday, on, on Friday as I was cleaning the bathrooms. 
my job to clean in bathrooms. And I can be a bit of a mumbler. I don't, you know, I've got very short hair. But some of my fraternity have very long hair, and it's the long hair that gets all over the place and in the sink. So I thought, no, no, if I'm doing it for the glory of God, I can't really be moaning about the long-haired fraternity and what, that they should be doing it themselves rather than me having to do it and all that kind of stuff that I perhaps sometimes might be noted. But anyway, so, but it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Whatever you do, do it with a glad heart. Do it unto him. We're going to have to change the way we do things to some degree. Not so much what we do, or that might be it, but it's our attitude, isn't it? Doing for the glory of God. And it's really easy, isn't it? Is it? It's very difficult, isn't it? And we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. That's why we give ourselves to him, to allow the Spirit to work that in us. And there's sometimes trial and error, isn't there? We get it wrong and we have to come back and, and apologize and, and, and get it right. But, so that's the first thing. We need to live a life that's given to him, a life of worship, a life of sacrifice. But there's going to be times when you specifically come to uh, minister to him physically and vocally. I say physically and vocally, because it's not always singing, but, you know, it's talking, singing, but also using our bodies, kneeling before him and bowing down. Something going on over there, I can't see what it is, but never mind. So when we worship, we proclaim, we give him adoration. And again, we need the Holy Spirit, don't we? It's only possible through him. We need to be spending time in his presence, and this is what Mark has been talking about, ministering to him, honouring him, bringing glory to his name, before we perhaps do anything else. But actually, what, what, it, what, it is, what it has struck me is that even to do that, we need to come before him and ask him to help us do that. You know, it's not just coming and going bibbly, 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 bob. You know, that's, for me, that's kind of just a, a carnal thing that, you know, you maybe know what I'm talking about. Sorry if I'm talking wrong. But there's a, it needs to be by the Spirit, doesn't it? When we, when we do it, it's, the worshippers will worship in spirit, in truth. It's like Mary sitting at his feet, listening to him, honouring him. Our times with him need to be about him, not about us. Not about how I worship or what I sing, but about him. Because sometimes our ministry to him can get in the way of him. And maybe it's just me, but it's, it's about him. So it's about spending time in his presence, listening and honouring him and worshiping, worshiping him as the Spirit leads me to worship, whether it's singing, whether it's talking, wherever it is. And as a church, when we come together, that's what Mark's been exhorting us to be, isn't it? That we come together to minister to him first and foremost. We minister to him. And that's the biblical precedent. It's like Samuel, who ministered to him. His presence will be amongst us. We'll be a church of his presence. When people come amongst us, they'll say, God is among them. I heard God. I went there and I heard God. I met God. I didn't necessarily, they don't necessarily think about the people, but they see him. And as I say, we need the Holy Spirit, and this is promised to us. And I've been, I've been so that, that's what I'm saying. We need to be those people that minister to him. And I just want to kind of, go on from that and talk around that a little bit because I was, I was challenged by I was, I was challenged actually and encouraged by this verse in Jeremiah um, I think it is a challenging verse but I was encouraged by it it's in Jeremiah uh, 2 13 
And it says, for my people have committed two evils. I don't sound very encouraging, does it? My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked systems. Sorry, cisterns. Could be systems. Cisterns, cracked cisterns, you know, not toilet bowls, but, you know, the um, places people keep water. Cracked cisterns that can hold no water. He said to them, You've, you haven't come to me, and I'll give you beautiful, clear, fresh fountain of living water. You've gone and dug for yourself little cisterns, which you've had to put mud into, kind of, but they're cracked, and so when you go there, all you're drinking is mud, and, you know, it's not nice. He said, then why, why would you do that? And in a sense, why would you do that? It's, it's a no-brainer that you wouldn't do that. You would go to him. But the encouraging bit for me was that if we come to him, if we come and minister to him, if we come and receive from him, we can have that fountain of living water. Because that's what you want, isn't it? To drink that clear, crystal water. We need to come to him and receive from him. You know, we can do nothing without him. And again, this is what Mark's been saying, isn't it? That we try so hard in our own strength. You know, even in coming to him, we feel we've got to come in with all this noise to honour him. But actually, we just need to receive and then we can make a noise that does honour him as opposed to just trying in my own strength and, 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 and that kind of thing. It is, it is like Mary. I've been struck again by Mary, as I just was thinking this, this morning, because, yeah, that's um, in Luke 10, 38 it is. You see why I said it was things you've heard before. It's, it's, it's refresh, really, isn't it? It's refresh. Luke 10, 34. Is it 34? 38, sorry. He said, she had a sister, this is 39, named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. That's what we want to be, that's what I want to be like, sitting, listening at his feet. But, she had a sister, Martha, who was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. And we tend to feel a bit sorry for Martha, don't we? Because we've all been there. Well, I've been there anyway. Putting the chairs away by myself when everyone else is just fellowshipping. You know, I can get a bit kind of... Tell them to stop fellowshipping, Lord, and come and help me put these chairs away. But, hey, you know, God doesn't work the same as I work. So I need to be more gracious. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Many things. How many of us are distracted by many things? They're just things. I can't remember. Someone used to, there used to be a saying, um, a guy used to say, it ain't nothing but a thing. And it's those things, ain't nothing but a thing, but it gets in the way, doesn't it? We're distracted by those things. But he said, there is, there is need of only one thing. So don't be distracted by many things. You're going to need one thing, which is to sit and listen. Mary has chosen 
the better part, which will not be taken away from her. And what I've realized over the years, as I've been thinking about ministry, just giving him our full attention and listening is part of me ministering to him. It's part of me honoring him. It's not I have to keep you know, singing songs to him, but that I give him my full attention. That's part of it. Give him your full attention so he can speak and give you things, uh, what, what you need. Because ministry to God can become such a chore, hard, a hard work, can't it? Um, yeah, come and focus on him, receive from him. And as we sit in his presence, we receive what we need to minister to him. And, you know, this all sounds so wrong to our flesh. Because our flesh wants to do, 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 doesn't it? Do, do, do. Come to his presence and sing 15 songs and then you'll get the word. Come to his presence and read 25 psalms. And that's how we tend to operate. But he just wants us to come and sit and listen and receive from him. And often it's a lot less than we think. You know, it might just be one psalm that really ministers to our hearts as opposed to 15 we whip through and they mean nothing to us. It's just being in his presence and listening to the Spirit. I had a couple of pictures or, or, or yeah, pictures really. They weren't really visions. When we used to meet in Mayfield, it was about that time um, on, on this issue. And one of them was, I was in the sea and there was, a, you know how seaweed gets all tangled up and it's all just a morass. And I got the sense that in this morass, well, I did, did I get the sense? But anyway, everyone was searching in this morass of seaweed and it was a big old thing. They were looking for stuff. But as I worshipped him, out of this stuff, there came a sword and it was presented to me. And I got the, the sense that everyone else is look, 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 looking but as I worshipped him, as I ministered to him, he presented to me. It was a bit like, you know, King Arthur and Excalibur. You know, got the sword. And I believe that's where it's at. As we minister to him, as we focus on him, as we honour him, he will give us the things we need. Whereas if we can spend ages look, 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 looking, searching, you search the scriptures, but you, you don't come to me, that you may receive life. It's that kind of thing. And the, the other picture I had, was I was going for a walk and I, I was on the battlefield and I was really aware that the battle was going very badly. In fact, I don't know if there was anyone but me there really and it was, you know, the, the, the army of the Lord was, 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 was getting hammered. And I was saying, Lord, Lord, send a champion. You know, send someone. We need someone on the battlefield. And all of a sudden, I did nothing. All of a sudden, this... Uh, the Lord, basically, the person on a horse came. I was thinking, wow, now we're going to, we'll sort him out now. But he came to me and he lifted me up onto his horse and he took me elsewhere. And he took me into his presence and we, I was just sitting. And I was conscious that people were coming and going. It was, but it just really struck me that the battle is won by spending time in his presence, by ministering to him, by listening to him. Another key uh, verse for me that's, that's been over my life is in Jeremiah 23. Um, Paul was marvelling that I got so many green stickies in my Bible, but 
you know, avoids that panic that you get when you're preaching when you can't find Jeremiah 23, which I still can't find. Oh, no, here he is. Jeremiah 23, and it's talking about the false prophets. So don't listen to the false prophets. Um, I'll pick it up in 16, because it'll give you a bit of this. It says, 23, 16, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They are deluding you. They speak visions out of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They don't listen to them. They're speaking their own stuff. They keep saying to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to all who stubbornly follow their own stubborn hearts, they say, no calamity shall come upon you. So that's the false prophets. That's what they're doing. And then it says, for who has stood in the counsel of the Lord so as to see and to hear his word? Who has given heed to his word so as to proclaim it? And then in 21 it says, But I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people. And they would have turned them from the evil way and from the evil of their doings. I thought it was amazing. Those false prophets could have had. They could have had the right word. If they'd have gone and stood in, God's, in the counsel of God. And that, again, that's been something for, over my life, I don't know, 30 years perhaps. About the time I did it, really, isn't it? But, and, and there is a sense of that. You need to, I need to step up and, and do these things more succinctly. But it speaks of intimacy. Who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Counsel, counsel. But it's, it's intimacy. It's the confidences of the Lord. Who has stood in his presence? and received his confidences, received his intimate things. And over the years, again, I've seen that there's, there's part of that counsel is, is in his presence, me sitting in his presence. Part of that counsel is in his word, as I read his word. But part of his counsel is in the congregation. I receive his counsel, his intimate, his, in the congregation. With, with, so in, primarily for me, in his presence, you know, listening and reading and listening through reading, but also in the, um, in the presence. Because uh, there was an interesting proverb I've seen a few times, and I'm, I'm going to say something now I haven't probably left my mark in, but Proverbs, I think it was Proverbs 26. I can't even find Proverbs. There it is, Proverbs. And this is, this is just to do with, I thought this was, this was important. Yes, Proverbs 26. 23, going on a bit. It says, Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are smooth lips with an evil heart. An enemy dissembles in speaking while harboring deceit within. When an enemy speaks graciously, do not believe it, for there are seven abom abominations concealed within. And then this is it. Though hatred is covered with guile, the enemy's wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. The enemy's wickedness that sometimes we have to come into the assembly of, of God to get stuff we won't necessarily get on our own. That's why it's so important for those of you sitting at home to be with us if you can. Because there's something here that we don't necessarily get on camera. And that kind of, but there's a, there's a real sense. So, so that intimacy, we can receive it from people here as well, can't we, if we've got our ears open. But I just thought that was an interesting thing. Sometimes we don't see things until we come into the assembly of God and then we understand there's a deception there, or whatever, that we can, sorry, I'm pointing at you, that's Olive's job normally. 
Um, I'll keep my finger to myself. <laughs> Psalm 73 is, is a similar thing, isn't it? It uh, talks about um, he, the psalmist has got really uptight about the fact that the, that the ungodly seem to be prospering. And he's really cross. Or in vain have I kept... I think it's that bit where he says in vain. Go on. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the first uh, 16 verses, uh, him saying it just, just doesn't seem right that the wicked prosper and in vain have I kept my hands clean, those kind of things. But then it said, but until, 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. And that's what we need to find as individuals. We need to find his sanctuary, his Sanctuary is a funny word, isn't it? Because some people call their churches a sanctuary. And really, it's just the presence of God, isn't it? It's a temple. It's, it's my intimate place of meeting with him. When, I came, when you come into God's presence and put aside all this, well, you can talk to him about it. It's not a big deal. But in his presence, you will see the truth. You'll understand the truth. No amount of cogitating and... Uh, going on will help. In conclusion, I don't know how long I've talked to her, but not very long, but anyway, in Ezekiel 47, um, verse 12, this is talking about the river flowing from the sanctuary. I think it's a sanctuary in my Bible. From the temple. This is talking about that amazing river. I don't know if you know the story, perhaps look it up. The, 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 river, the, the river of life or the river of God starts from a temple and it starts as a trickle, but as it flows out towards the sea, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's various things go on. And, uh, you know, it, there's various things about it. But the key thing I want to bring out, because I've heard it interpreted different ways, but the, the key thing I want to just uh, show you as a picture of the life I believe God wants for us is verse 12. It says, On the banks... On both sides of the river, there will to him, servants, to him, people who honour him, that our lives are focused on him, not on me. That we say, he must increase, I must decrease. Let's, um, let's sing that song again, can we, Phil, please? And let me encourage you to sing it as a response to... Anything I've said that has touched you and you feel you want to respond to, um, please respond um, in this song. This is my desire to worship, to honour you, sorry. I worship you, you can come sing with me if you want to, but you don't have to. Oh, I have with 
that we be born again and become part of your kingdom. We were truly wanted, Lord. Thank you. Pray that all would know that. And we've given ourselves to you and we give ourselves afresh every day to be living sacrifices. Holy Spirit, come and teach us to minister. Come and teach us to minister to the Lord. Help us to be ministers of God. That we do in our lives, and in our times with you, put you first, that we honor you, we lift you up, we give glory to you. And I thank you that as we go about our business, our words, our leaves will be for healing, our words will, will bring healing, that you'll let none of our words fall to the ground, and you'll lead us into situations where we see you work where we see salvation in lives of people around us. There'll be a difference because we're there. Your presence comes in, as Paul said earlier, as we come in. Not because of we're anything special, but because we've been in your presence. People will see we've been with Jesus. Lord, we desire to be those people. We desire that you be honored, The faith life be a church that people say God is in her midst. I went there and I heard the voice of the Lord. I went there, I received healing. I went there, I got saved. I went there and I'm different. Come Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Lead us as individuals, lead us as a church. going to finish the, the service there for the online guys. Thank you for being with us. Love to see you soon.